The Sean Quinn Show on ESPN Radio, featuring everything Savannah State. Now, here's your host, Christian Gokel. This is the Sean Quinn Show right here on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel joined, as always, by the head football coach of the Savannah State Tigers, Sean Quinn, coming off of a big... You know what? I want to start here. Last week... And maybe I'm just a masochist. Maybe I'm just coming back for more. Last week, I wanted to talk to you about homecoming. You said we're locked in on the football game. But now maybe that we're a week removed from it, and you won. So every, you look back on everything and, and shine your eyes when you win. How, how is homecoming, Coach? A crap show. So uh, a bunch of distractions. So I'm grateful that the, the event is held for people to come back and enjoy the university. But all the stuff leading up to it is a distraction to our football team. And as a coach personally, every game ought to be like homecoming where everybody's fired up and the place is packed. There's tailgating galore. There's RVs everywhere. That's what we want it to be. At, you know, at LSU, I couldn't tell you. At Georgia Southern, I couldn't have told you when homecoming ever was because it was like that every Saturday. And right. that's what I want for our place. And, you know, that's a goal and a dream. So we'll see if we can get there. But uh, all I heard for the last 12 months was, oh, homecoming's this game. It, it, you know, truly was, is the next one on the calendar. And when you get to it, great. And obviously you want to win because uh, the thought crossed my mind midway through the third quarter. If we don't win this thing with all these people here with a sold out stadium, uh, it won't be good. Um, but, you know, it, it's uh, I was glad to get through it. It is it is a trap game of all trap games because it, there's all kinds of events all week to pull our guys, distract our guys. Um, you know, just things that can keep you from the ultimate goal of winning. Um, and at the end of the day, you try to protect that like you're, you know, you're put your fence around and protect your players and sure. keep them focused in on the game. And really everybody else is about everything but the game. So I'm glad we won. Uh, it was great to see a lot of former players after the game, after a win. I did enjoy that for a few minutes, seeing a lot of our guys doing well in society um, in general. But uh, glad we got the W. Well, you mentioned it there. You guys do end up winning 49-14, to 14, but that might be a little bit deceiving because this one, as you mentioned, uh, was tight all the way through uh, the beginning portions of the fourth quarter. You guys take a 21-7 to 7 lead into halftime, and then it gets, like I said, a little bit tighter from there. They're able to punch a touchdown in in the third quarter, and so you go into the fourth up just to score, but your guys uh, really able to hammer it home there. In the fourth quarter, 28 unanswered points uh, to, as we said, finish up with that 49-14 to 14 win. But, Coach, you guys started out hot on offense. Uh, two scores, Anijah Carter, again, with another huge run. He hit the spin move for a 73-yard touchdown run. Uh, just a really hot start for your team. Definitely. You know, uh, e, he's a man. They call him quick six for a reason. He scores in quick, quickly and uh, a lot of fun to watch. Um, I didn't actually see the first touchdown because I was on the bench with the defensive guys kind of making some adjustments to something we saw, but uh, good player. You know, ironically, Christian, we lost uh, our first three tailbacks pretty quickly in the game. D'Angelo Durham didn't even play, warmed up, and just wasn't ready to go. And then Shamarcus Poole scored first series and, and got hurt, and then we were on to our third tailback, and then he got banged up. We're in our fourth one. So uh, it was a little bit of planes, trains, and automobiles, and, you know, they're, you know, those guys are really good players, and we miss those guys. And we got out to a lead, and then we just kind of had to sit on it. We weren't able to move the ball as much as we wanted to, and, and fortunately we're playing pretty good defense. But give Clark credit. Clark's a well-coached team. I got a lot of respect for their coaches. They do a good job, and their guys battled and got back into the thing. They blocked the punt, and that kind of flipped the mojo. Next thing you know, oh, here we go. 
And I, you're talking about the running back depth there, and it is interesting in your offense because so many different people take the ball on handoffs from different positions, but just that running back position, how quickly can an offense get out of sync when you said, like you said, you get to the third, fourth running back, especially inside something where it's supposed to be fluid with that triple option? Oh, big time. You know, it got, it got scary in a hurry. Um, it was a difference. You know, we got, a, I think, one of the best guys in the league and D'Angelo Durham and Shamarcus Pools played great all year. And when those two went out, you know, we were playing with Demi Colbert, who's a receiver out of uh, Ups and Lee that played some quarterback, played some Wildcat. Um, we got a guy from your way uh, down from Darien from McIntosh, Trenton Johnson, we think is going to be a great player. Yeah. He's been hurt, banged up, doesn't know the playbook quite as much as he needs to, still learning, and he may end up being the guy a year from now. But uh, we were on to some freshmen, and, and we even had a, one of our walk-ons, Jay Williams, get in there and do some good stuff, who was a manager. There was an article about him. So there's a there was a difference just from experience and some ability and speed stuff. So, it, it uh, man, it got scary in a hurry, and uh, – and especially when you run the ball and not have any of those guys out there, it changed the dynamics a little bit. Well, it's not – none of it's like 36 power, right? You're, we're not calling that one too much uh, in the Savannah State offense. But when you say they don't know the playbook, it's not necessarily they don't know the plays where they're getting the ball. It's if they have to lead block, if they have to pass yeah. pro, any of that, that can get really dangerous for your offense really fast. Yeah, you know, probably the easiest position to learn on our offense is our receivers because the route concepts and trees are simple. Yeah. Um, they're good, but they're simple. Our backs have a lot. We're like, take a spread offense and flip it with having 100 different pass concepts. We've got 100 different run concepts right. um, and where they have multiple reads and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, we have to simplify the playbook sometimes when you have a young guy. And, and uh, I'll tell you a quick story, and I may have said this one before to you. We played uh, somebody when I was at Tennessee – and Jamal Lewis was our tailback. Well, he we lose a game. Jamal doesn't play a whole lot. And Coach Fulmer asked the next day, you know, why was Jamal's carries limited? Why was his snaps limited? We couldn't learn the protection. And without breaking stride, Fulmer said, get rid of the – change the protection, get rid of the protection. The next week, Jamal ran for like 220 and had like 42 carries. So it was a good lesson for me. Don't make it too complicated that your best players can't play. Um, and, you know, it was something that he was struggling with learning and he didn't play because yeah. of it. And, hey, we changed the playbook because that was Jamal Lewis and he needed to be in the game to win the football game. Yeah, I think it's one of the cooler things we see with coaches, specifically with uh, successful teams, is they're willing uh, to not be overly rigid and, and adapt to their players. But, Coach, as you're looking through uh, the box score in this game, I think the first thing that stuck out to me, and usually the box score can kind of lead you and say, hey, Maybe this isn't why we won the game. You actually have to watch the tape to see why. But anytime you can score on offense, defense, and special teams, there's a very high probability you're going to win. And you guys were able to do that in this game. Uh, Naeem Bozeman gets a 53-yard punt return for you guys. Uh, and then you also have Salik McRae return a fumble. So you guys able to score in all three phases of the game. Yeah, we did. And then actually Enosh Carter scored a punt return, uh, kickoff return. Yep. They called it back for a pancake block. And pancakes are now holding in the SIAC, <laughs> I guess. But uh, we, we had a discussion with the officials, uh, and, they, and they do a good job of that. That's been rough. We've had two weeks in a row we pancaked the guy with a flag. But, uh, yeah, you got to score a lot of ways. And, you know, there's a statistic out there we did a couple years ago, Christian, that if you block a punt – about 80% of the time you win the game. Well, we blocked one and they blocked one, but uh, we were able to score on offense and defense, and we set up 21 points on defense with turnovers. So that was big, really big for us. What do you attribute that 
really just an avalanche of points in the fourth quarter too because I know uh, one of the biggest things for you guys is you want to be the more physical team and that usually does pay off in the fourth quarter but you see 28 unanswered points in the fourth quarter in a tightly contested game what did you attribute that to? The momentum swing we got a really nice turnover by Levante Larry and, and, and Tim Campbell and then we went down and scored next thing you know, it was 28-14 we come back and get another turnover another score and it was like bang 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 you know, I, I wish I could bottle it and say, all right, let's open the bottle and everybody take this pill and now we're going to do this. But, you know, momentum was against us much of the third and early into the fourth. And when it swung the other way, it was like all their hope and belief went out the window and you could kind of see those guys drop their heads on the other side and you kind of knew, oh, here we go, and in a good way. And, um, gosh, I wish it happened earlier, though, because I enjoyed the game a lot more because in the fourth quarter I was sweating bullets there for a while. Again, though, a big win. Uh, remain undefeated in conference play, setting up a big-time matchup with Albany coming up this weekend. But we're going to take a quick break. We're going to wrap up uh, this previous game and talk about some of the individual performances from the game because I thought a few really stood out. We'll dive into those next right here on the Sean Quinn Show on ESPN Radio. The Sean Quinn Show on ESPN Radio. This is the Sean Quinn Show right here on ESPN Savannah. Christian Gokel, glad to have you alongside. And wrapping up what was a big win over Clark Atlanta, 49-14. to And, Coach, a few individual performances I thought stood out. Uh, we already talked about Anaja uh, Carter. I mean, six carries, 109 yards, a touchdown. Uh, but I, I, I want to get this right. Adante? Davero, Adante Davero, three Devereux. receptions, 86 yards, a touchdown, and a 57-yard reception there, uh, making plays on the outside. Stud, great guy. Wasn't going to play. Went and got a second opinion on his foot and then uh, played the game, played his butt off, and we were joking and laughing in the locker room afterwards. Glad he went and got second opinion. And yeah. Played really good. He's been a super good guy. Walk-on guy um, from the Atlanta area coming here and has come in here and, and earned a scholarship and just – a stud and he's just a smooth guy makes plays and just a winner and uh what we want to be about his program so fun to see guys like that have success and glad he was out there he had his orange shoes on for the orange out and uh, look good feel good play good and coach we've talked about this guy before and it's always good when they're they're talking about you on the coaches show multiple times uh cam brown two sacks uh another couple of tackles in this game as well just really imposing his will he also got a forced fumble in there as well yeah, he has a way of finding the football. And you, you enjoy coaching those guys that are athletic and just have some personality. He's a drummer in the church, uh, got a great person, going to be a teacher. You got to try to talk him out of that right now. But uh, all joking aside, good football player, makes a lot of plays um, and been with here, been here a number of years now. So another guy who was a walk on, earned a scholarship. Um, so those are, you love to see those guys that really weren't recruited come in and do some really good things. So a lot of fun and, Got to keep playing well with him. And another guy, uh, McKinley Newbill, he got a sack and a half as well, three tackles for a loss. Haven't said his name a lot before, but another one of those guys making plays. Yeah, a good local player, South Effingham. I believe his father works over at the port, a good family, good group of people, and brother is a, is a walk-on player here at linebacker and will have a chance down the line to help us. Um, you know, just good, good, solid family and, and a local guy playing really good. And he transferred in here and walked on and earned a scholarship too. So give him a lot of credit. I think he's a really good football player. Um, fun to see those local guys do really well. And coach, I love talking about him every week. Kenneth Lockhart, 
Seven for seven on PATs, uh, averaging uh, just over 37 yards a punt, but did have a long of 46 and was able to pin uh, Clark inside the 20 on one of his punts, just becoming a weapon there on special teams. Good, really good young player from back down where you're from, near Bradwell. He went to Bradwell Institute, uh, family's military down there, and just a, a good kicker. He had a low kick on a long field goal that got blocked. we got to continue work on that. But, man, he's got a bright future. Um, anytime you're elected a captain as a freshman, as a specialist, that says something about you. So I know you guys were up until 4 a.m. on Sunday morning just watching tape and going over it, you and all the other coaches. But when, when you got no, back we – actually, actually, we weren't. I went to bed pretty no, early coach, on Saturday on. I got, night. I got, I got, I'm trying to help you out like, and uh, make you seem like you're just grinding all day on Saturday. But I, I know uh, you guys have had a chance to sit back and watch this tape. And obviously that fourth quarter was really enjoyable to watch. But I'm sure uh, some notes being taken from all four quarters. What were the things you guys put down that you wanted to address at practice this week? Well, the big thing was silly penalties. We had a lot of penalties. You know, some of those were legit penalties and things we got to continue to get better at. And the other part is just uh, just finishing jobs and, you know, keeping drives alive on offense. We shot ourselves in the foot a couple times. And then defensively, don't get a silly penalty that keeps a drive alive. So just playing cleaner. Um, and then obviously we can correct, you know, some X's and O's stuff. As long as your effort's great and you play with good – football IQ we're going to be fine but sometimes you know you're going to miss an assignment or something but you don't ever want to be based on effort Christian or something a silly penalty and those are things we got to eliminate and continue to work on as a team and coach a huge game coming up this Saturday you guys hit the road to take on Albany State uh, that one's a two o'clock kick and really coach this one uh, I don't want to get too hyperbolic here but probably for the SEAC East because you guys right now sit one and two uh, the only undefeated teams on this side of the conference right now and it's going to be tough like if, if you win to see you lose two conference games or flip that around and see Albany State lose two conference games so uh, like I said I don't want to be hyperbolic but this one feels like it might be uh, for this side of the conference. It, it's a great opportunity. I'll leave it that Albany State's been the premier program in the East for years. And Gabe Gardino, who I worked with for a short time at Charleston Southern, has done a good job there. And, you know, you knew this one was coming. Uh, you know, our guys pay attention to the standings. We talk about a roadmap where, we, where we're at, where we want to get to. And obviously, I, I was concerned getting ready for this week because we had a trap game being a homecoming in between that. But, uh, you know, we had a good week of practice so far, and, and they're really good. And, you know, obviously, want to continue to to put some distance between us and the other teams on our side. So we got to find a way to win the game. So they're going to be a tough opponent, do a great job, very well coached. That school is committed from top to bottom to football being excellent there. So they do a great job there and, um, you know, got good players. So we'll have to play good football. And, you know, I give an analogy. It's like Florida and Georgia playing. You know, you know you're going to be playing somebody who's got really good players like you and very well coached. Um, and so that will be the challenge to – Got to go get after it and have a good week, and we've had a good week so far. And, Coach, it's been a couple of guys carrying the ball for them on offense, uh, Marcus Folks and Cam Ward there. Uh, but Folks has really, it seems, carried the load for him. He has 435 yards on the season and eight touchdowns. For the Savannah State fans uh, that are going to be watching that game, just kind of give us a preview of what we should expect from the Golden Rams. Uh, very good on offense. They run a, a version of the option like we do. They're, and they're a little bit maybe more spread than they've been. Um, but they run the football, two backs, quarterback can run, throw it. Good young player last year. We played him in 19. Um, defensively, they're the number one defense in the league, um, and so that challenge will be for us to be able to move the football. Uh, they do a good job. They, they play a style which lets them win. They play great defense. They run the football effectively. 
great on special teams and kind of what our formula we're trying to do is very similar to theirs. So um, very well coached. They got a lot of players that we've recruited and vice versa. We got a lot of guys they recruited. So they're probably, um, we're, you know, very similar in a lot of ways, but uh, you know, they're the flagship. They're, they've won the championship. They've been the Eastern champs. We're, we're kind of like a new kids on the block and they're like Van Halen. They're well-established. So um you know, we're just a boy band trying to learn how to get another hit single. Uh, so I would pay money to hear the Sean Quinn and uh, rest of the staff, I guess. Who, who would be the other three members from the staff that would be a part of that boy band? Because it's typically four, right? I mean, Russell's yeah, got, you know, Russell's I'm got a to good, be on I'm there. good looking. I can dance well. I don't know how well I can sing. I, I'd leave that to the rest of the staff. So. Co- Coach Damasi's got to be on there. I mean, yeah. Who fills out the Italian other? Stallion, he's going to be there somewhere. He'd probably be on the keyboard or something. I mean, I mean absolutely. And then we'll, we'll figure out who the other two are. Uh, I yeah. do have a bone to pick with you, though. I mean, we have a good friend that comes on our show all the time, and we had no idea you had made him a part of your coaching staff, Jeff Owens, uh, helping out at Savannah State. We love Big Jeff. and Jeff's yeah. uh, awesome, man. He um, – you know, his, his wife's in the military, yeah. and he played in Georgia, played in the NFL, was a great player. Um, and he wanted to get into coaching, and he's volunteered with us. He's helping with our defensive line, and he's done an awesome job, man, just high energy. I think he's got a bright future in coaching if he decides to stay in it. If he's smart, he'll get out. But uh, Jeff, Jeff's, I can't say enough good things about him. He, and his wife's over at Fort Stewart there and at Hunter, and uh, just a great guy. He's able to pour into our guys and give them great advice. You know, being an NFL guy playing at the University of Georgia, and not being too far removed from the game. And then obviously he's really, we got a really good defensive line coach in Tom Sims and right. he's been really a nice bonus for him and be able to work with some guys one-on-one and just mentor him as much as anything else. So I'm glad, glad he's there. I wish he had some more eligibility. We play him right now. <laughs> I was going to say, if you want to look at somebody's resume, go look at Tom Sims resume uh, and then just and get back to me. Cause I mean, you have, now you have Jeff Owens helping out with the defensive line, but Tom Sims, I don't care what level you're at. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah. Tom's coached at every major place you could. And, uh, been really fortunate he stayed here he's had some other opportunities and he enjoys savannah and uh enjoys working with the kids he's got a great group of uh, defensive linemen he's working with here so very experienced um i'm not the oldest guy in the room so i take that with pride that somebody's older than me because we have a fairly young staff besides tom and i but uh he does a great job and, and jeff's been a great addition with the d-line with them uh, Coach, looking back at the Golden Rams here as we got that game coming up at 2 o'clock on Saturday, uh, 15 different guys with at least one sack. And I know that doesn't inherently uh, translate well to attacking your offense because you guys run the football so much, but it's uh, I know a lot of coaches call it the havoc plays where they're able to get the tackle for losses in the backfield. When you're looking at your offense from the defensive perspective, what's the first place you want to attack? And then I guess from the offensive perspective, what's that first thing you have to neutralize from another defense? Well, you always got to protect the A-gaps. If you can expose somebody up the middle, that's an old Jimmy Johnson who was the defensive coordinator with the Eagles for years. I remember him passed away. But uh, he wrote a book about great defense, and I read it. And one of the main synopsis points was A-gap dominance, you're going to have a hard day moving the football. So you, as an offense, you want to be able to be vertical in the run game and attack up the middle and be able to run and not make the game a sideways game. And defensively, the flip of it is you want to make everything go east and west versus north and south. And so that's kind of a – that's the battle of attrition you got to be able to do um, is be able to get, run the football vertically. When you can do that, you got a chance to win every game. And, and 
when we played well, we're able to run the ball north and south. When we struggle, it's when it's all perimeter stuff and vice versa. Defensive, we can get you running to the sideline. There's an old joke I say, Sammy Sideline's our best tackler. That guy on the sideline hasn't missed one in 26 years and he won't. So uh, we try to use the sideline as a 12th defender and everything that we do. Well, I, I want to kind of stick with that note. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back, wrap it up. We have one, we have a uh, question uh, in the mailbag here that we need to get to, but I, also, I have a question that I'm throwing nice. into the mailbox. So we'll dive into that when we come back right here on ESPN Radio Savannah. The Sean Quinn Show on ESPN Radio. Diving in to the Sean Quinn mailbag here. And if you want to submit your question, Christian at ESPNCoastal.com. And, Coach, we have about a minute for to answer both of these. So we'll start. Uh, Malik has sent in one, and he wants to know if we'll ever see the Tiger Stripes back again on the uniforms. Well, that's a good question. I don't know. we got to get new uniforms. Our uniforms are six years old, so we're in the process, hopefully raising some money here and getting new unis, so you never know what you might find. I'd really like to have more than a stri- tri- uh, stripes on the tiger. I'd like to have a live tiger there. There we go. That would really up the ante. So, um, you know, I, I'm a fan of what Alabama wears and folks like that, kind of a classy, just come out and line up and kick your butt look. Um, so I don't know if I'm a big stripe guy, but we've got them on the practice pants. Our old game pants are now the practice pants. So yeah, kind of like with the Bengals, you practice, you'll see the stripes. We can we can take a look at what the Bengals did. I mean, because they I think they did a classy version of the stripes, kind of on the shoulder pads there. So we'll, we'll take a look and we'll get back to you. I mean, graphic designer Christian right here. I'll go with Coach Quinn uh, and we'll come up with a concept. But Coach, uh, another thing I wanted to ask is we were talking about just controlling the middle of an offense uh, with your interior defensive line. And we've seen guys like Indomitian Sue in the past make Heisman runs uh, because just of how dominant they were and what they were able to do in the game. Uh, Jordan Davis up at Georgia this year is kind of making some noise in that same vein. But I think the one thing that keeps defensive linemen for the most part out of the running is so much of what they do, much like offensive linemen, you can't categorize it with stats. So you can't go back and look at a box score and say, oh, wow, he had 19 of these or he had 20 of these in this game. If you had to come up with one stat for a defensive lineman that we could put in front of these Heisman voters and say this is just as impactful as five yards a carry, what would it be? Well, doing your job would be probably, but uh, I would say a, a, quarter- D- a DYJ. Yeah, do your job. It would be either, I would say, quarterback pressure, quarterback hurry, or a TFL. Um, You know, if you get a negative play on defense in a series, generally you're going to enforce them to punt. So, you know, a a great D-line game might be two and a half tackles, one sack, four pressures, and then you had no loafs. But that's not going to show up in the stats. What about blockers blockers absorbed per play, so a a BAP? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this guy averages like 2.5 blockers absorbed per play. Yeah, because in our system, the linebacker is going to yeah. – most of the linebackers are going to get really the rewarded for the defensive line taking on multiple blockers. So you don't see that statistically, and you won't see it statistically. Really, the only guy who could ever win it on defense really would be a Mike linebacker because that's really the only guy that statistically could ever have enough of an impact. Yeah. D-tackle would be would have a chance. A D-end will never win it because you'll not have too many plays away from you. Same thing with a corner. It's a fact that Woodson won it as a – is an anomaly. I still can't believe it to this day that he beat Peyton Manning for the trophy <laughs> that year. But uh, I still think there may have been something in the count on the, the counting firm oh. that counted those votes. All right. Yeah, I'm going to call. I'm going to call there. They need to have a commission on that one. Recount him. That's what if, if Sean Quinn ever retires, that's going to be his retirement thing. No, no, no. I will. I will be in a foreign land previewing ah. places to eat. 
I'll, I'll be right beside you. Uh, Sean Me, Quinn, Anthony Bourdain with better looks. Love that. Sean Quinn joining us here on the Sean Quinn Show. You can listen to it every week. If you missed any portion of the show today, check it out on ESPNCoastal.com. Again, Savannah State taking on Albany State for control of that Eastern Division. Coach, we really appreciate the time, and Good luck on Saturday. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for the coverage. Go Tigers. We'll talk to you soon.